0: There could be a lot of different words that we choose to use to describe this time of year based off of our experiences and the Christmases that we've had in the past. And for me, when I think about Christmas, the word that comes to mind is the word hope. Now, many of you may not know this, but I have an older brother by about three years. And as we were growing up, we shared a same room together. Now we lived in a small little three bedroom home and my mom and dad had their own room and My brother and I, we ended up sharing a room, and we had this third room in the house that was kind of like this computer desk with a computer on it that was called the office. And it was never really used. And so as we were growing up, and we actually have a picture of the home here for you, as I was growing up, I could not imagine or figure out for the life of me why if we had this spare room that I couldn't have it. I mean, I wanted it. I hoped for it. I I desired it. I thought that I deserved it because I was just that awesome small child, right? That we all think that we are. But I could not figure out for the life of me why I could not have this room. And I hoped and I dreamed that one day it would be mine. So from a very young age, in fact, my mom says that when I was first able to start writing legibly, I started asking every single Christmas for my own room. And I would write it in super big letters right at the very top of my Christmas list because it's what I hoped for. It's what I desired. It's what I wanted the most in my life. But year after year, even though I requested it, I didn't get it. And I was met with disappointment and a sense of hopelessness. And now that I'm older as an adult, I can look back upon this time in my life. And I really see that as a child, I understood hope the way that the world understands hope. And I think if we were to look at the definition to see exactly what this is, we would really get what this means. Webster defines the word hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen. It's desire accompanied by expectation. And there are two words, I think, that really weaken this definition of hope. The first one is this word feeling. It says that hope is based upon a feeling. But I think if you base your hope on feelings, you're going to be disappointed. It would be like a girl who has this feeling that, man, this is going to be the year. Uh, My relationship with my significant other is growing and everything seems to be moving so smoothly. I'm so excited we're in such a good place. And she goes into Christmas saying, man, I hope I get an engagement ring this year. But does that hope guarantee a ring? No, it doesn't. My wife, Tiffany, can attest to this. Um, for many, many, many years up like while we were actually dating, she was way ready to get married before I was. And she had this feeling that I was going to be the one, like even on our first date as we were going out. And I remember this, this interaction being where we would go and we would do things, and something always seemed to be slightly off, and I would ask her, and it always ended up being the same response as, I thought you were going to propose. And it was kind of like heart crushing. And so I took that information and the next event, I would do that like, oh, sorry, I got to tie my shoe kind of thing. Right. And just totally play it off for her. And, you know, just destroy that uh, hope that she may have had for that. But don't (laughs) worry. We've been married for two years happily. She still decided to marry me. It's been great. Um, But that's really what it is, that if you base your hope upon a feeling, you're going to be left with hopelessness in your life. The second part of this definition is this phrase, it's a desire accompanied by expectation. That if you base your hope upon desires and expectations, Once again, you're just gonna be met with disappointment and hopelessness. And I can speak to this firsthand because I had a fantasy football team this year. And uh, I desired to have this amazing team so I could show all of my cool Canyon Hills friends that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to football. And I expected that I would do really well because I had some great first draft picks and everything was going great. And so I went into the season saying, man, I hope that I have a great season, that I go into the playoffs and I end up winning but does that guarantee that result? Absolutely not. I didn't even make it to the playoffs. Half of my players got sick or injured in my main first pick draft lineup. He'll, he he did not even show up to any of his games this year. So it's like, this is fantastic. That, that just is awesome. So when we look at it, if we choose to truly live our lives based off of hope, the way that world defines it, we're just going to be met with this hopelessness and this dissatisfied feeling inside of our lives. And we see it all around us. You just turn on the news and you see war and terror and famine. You see shootings. You see natural disasters. Our world is ravaged by this hopelessness. And something inside of us says there has to be something more. And that's what I felt every year when I would ask for my room, but I would never get it. But let me tell you, I'm going to end this story on a very happy note. At the very tail end of my junior high year, into my freshman year of high school, I got my own room. And I was so excited. I packed my room up and I moved. It was the furthest move I've ever made in my life. And I unpacked it all and I finally sat back. It was like, yeah, it's my room. Now what, (laughs) right? There was this sense of hopelessness that was like, well, this wasn't what I thought that it would feel like. That I'm still missing out on something. And what I came to realize then and what I even more probably realize now is that there is nothing on this earth that can bring us the true type of hope that we need, especially at this time of Christmas. There's only one thing that can really guarantee that hope, and it's the gift of Jesus Christ. It's the gift of him, and Jesus is God's hope for a broken world. That's really what it is. And if we look at the Bible's definition, I think it would describe it like this, an expectation based on the promises of God. It's not a feeling. It's not a desire. It's not an expectation. It's a promise that comes from God a promise that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never give you more than you can handle. I will never abandon you. I will never let you fall and not be there to pick you back up. I will never stop loving you unconditionally. So I don't know where you've been this year. I don't know what the next year holds in store for you. But one thing I do know is if you choose to place your hope in riches or in material things or relationships or things of this world, you're going to be met with hopelessness. Time and time and time again. But if you choose to place your hope in the gift of Jesus Christ, man, you're going to find a type of peace and joy like you've never experienced before. Because he is truly all that we need. And why? Well, look at this. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and "and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
1: Would you stand as we sing God rest ye Mary gentlemen
2: So Pastor Dietz is a really good speaker, but I feel like he buried the lead on his sermon. And that's who actually won the fantasy football season this year at Canyon Hills. Anybody want to guess who it was? Huh? Come on, who do you think? It was me. It was me. I won. That's the greatest thing that happened this entire year. So many years ago... I was given a gift by my parents, and it was a Disneyland book, and it was the best gift I ever got. And I know many of you who know me am not very surprised that that would be the best gift. But here's why it was so amazing. This was early in my life, and I've been given a lot of gifts, but this one really jumped out at me because I opened it up, and I, I looked at it, and I was like, I didn't know a book like this even existed. It was massive. It was really huge, and it had Disneyland across it, and I read it so many times. The only books that I knew were those school books that the teacher kept making me read, and suddenly there was this new book that existed that was so exciting. It was about my favorite place, and at the end of it, it was even talking about a new ride that was coming, was Splash Mountain, which tells you how old I was. (laughs) But I was so overwhelmed because my parents, although I told them so many things that I wanted for Christmas, they were listening much deeper. They were listening to what would actually be something that I didn't even know exists and would be excited about. They were so good at listening to me, even though I would say one thing, they would actually get me something that was far better. And as I was thinking about this Christmas gift season, we're working through this series. And it's about the Christmas gifts that God gives. Tomorrow we're going to be opening up a lot of gifts that we give to each other. But there's certain gifts that only God can give. And the thing about those gifts is that God is listening and knows things that we don't even realize that we should be praying for. He talked about hope. I want to talk about peace. We've been given this gift of peace from God that is far beyond what we even realized we wanted. There's so many things I pray, and God says, those are fine, those are fine, but let me give you something that's far, far greater, this gift of peace. And what that looks like is, first, it's a peace with God. You have this peace with God that says, I'm okay. God created me just the way I am, and it's good. We start there. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. He made us, and he gave us peace. So we take that in and we say, Okay, he made me the way I am. I'm going to stop pretending that I have to be something else. What everyone else says that I should be, God made me how I am. And once we have that peace, Then we have peace in the world that we live in. And this one's tough because we live in a complicated world. There's things thrown at you, at the news, that's supposed to scare you, supposed to warn you. Like every day you could be scared about something in the world that we live in. And there has to be this point where you go, okay, what happens out here is not going to define the peace that I feel in here. I'm not going to let this world and the circumstances that I face, I will face difficult moments. Life will be full of challenges but it won't affect the the peace that God gives me. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This peace is a strength within, that no matter what you're facing, it's still there. God still loves you and he's still holding you. And the final part of peace was once you're good with God and once you're good with your situation, then can you be good with others? We live in a world full of broken, dysfunctional people and that starts with you and I. We are broken. If we weren't, we wouldn't need a savior. If you came today and you're perfect, that's amazing. I'd love to meet you afterwards. We're all broken and dysfunctional. That's why we need a Savior. Most of us are going to spend a lot of time tomorrow with some broken and dysfunctional people. <laughs> I'm no exception. <laughs> it's my wife laughing behind me. It's going to be awesome. But here's the thing about that. So broken and dysfunctional people... Run into each other all the time. We're constantly running into each other and making each other mad. So can we have a peace that says, all right, we're both broken. Will we give forgiveness? Will we give it freely in a world of peace? Nelson Mandela said this, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. This doesn't work very well. Apostle Paul said, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. God gave us a gift before we even understood how important it was, this gift of peace. The other gift, we talked about it yesterday, is this gift of joy. So the gift of joy is not like this guy. See, if if joy meant I had to be a Christian who is always happy, everything's perfect, I can never say there's anything wrong in this world because then I'm not a good Christian, that's not going to work for me and most of you. That's not the kind of joy that God's talking about. What joy The joy that God gives is that we can feel loss and be in pain over it and still have joy that God is in control. We can be crying because of changes and sudden changes in our life that, that are overwhelming and still have this joy that God loves me. Joy comes from all the things that this world, they can take from you, but can never be taken from your eternal salvation with God. They can take your health, but you still have God and your eternal life. They can take relationships from you, and you still have this relationship with Jesus Christ that no one can take from you. You can even lose your life at some point, but God is still there saying, I've got you. See, that kind of joy goes so much deeper because you realize, although this world is a crazy one, nothing can be taken from me from what God gives me in joy. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, always be joyful. The people who find this type of joy no longer are affected by the status quo of today. So, so many are looking for joy in relationships They're looking for joy in their career. They're looking for joy in education or family or marriage. There's something. They're trying to find this joy, and it will never fulfill them the way that God will. And here's what God says. I want you to have an incredible marriage. I want you to have a wonderful career. But you know what? If those things fail, you still have me, and you still have the joy that I put within you because this world doesn't define the joy that I gave you. That's the difference in a Christmas gift that only God can give. So as we celebrate these gifts, that's why we celebrate. As we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, we know that that birth is more than just a baby in a manger. Carlos is going to talk about the ultimate gift that it is. But along the way, it's also the gift of hope and peace and joy. Nothing like the world can give in a gift. Which is why we say this verse, Isaiah 9, 6, For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. As we shift gears, we're going to have a time of giving. And what this is, is earlier this month we sent out this envelope with a letter, and we asked you to be praying about this gift that we're going to do on this night. As a Christmas gift through the local church to God. And what it is, is we want to have this year in strong. And there's so many things about this year where we have been blessed by this church and this community. But we want to go into 2019 even stronger. We have a new childcare place going in, we have this new park going in, but it's also about reaching your neighbor. How can we reach your neighbor in greater ways? How can we go on the mission field in greater ways? Our denomination is putting a plan together to plant 26 churches over the next five years. It's an incredible family that you're in, and you are the church. Whatever you do in these moments like this, that's the church moving forward. God uses you in things like giving. And so we wanted you to spend three to four weeks praying about this gift. If this is something that um, you haven't prepared for or didn't think about, there's some envelopes. If you're on the edge, will you pass the envelopes, the little pens and envelopes down so that everyone will feel equally convicted today. I, I know that um, we talk a lot about the power of this gift to the church, but it's also a moment between you and God. It's not about the amount. This is a moment between you and God and just saying, I believe in what you're doing here. And this is an act of faith. It's an act of hope. It's an act of peace. And it's an act of joy saying, use this to reach even more with the greatest gift we've ever been given. So let's pray together. God, we come to you now and we do thank you for this church. On the outside, it's a building, has all its normal bills that we have to pay. But the real church is sitting in these seats right here and each one of them matters. And it matters for the kingdom going forward. For some reason, God, you choose to use us. And this is part of it. And so we worship you in an act of giving. And we thank you, Lord, for this church. It's been a blessing for my family. I can personally attest to the love that we have been shown from this church sitting in these pews. I pray your blessings and protection on each and every one of them. I pray that tomorrow is so special as they come around as families and are so thankful. Of this gift of you and the eternal salvation we'll have with you. And while we're here, Lord, help us to multiply these gifts to reach more that next year we see even more hearing about you. as Ephesians 3:20 20 and 21, we ask for far greater things, Lord even more than we could possibly imagine right now, Lord. We pray your blessings on this place that you would multiply it and we would hear your name proclaimed here in this city. In this state, we pray, Lord, for continued um, joy in Juarez, Philippines, Cambodia. God, continue to use us all around the world to be your mouthpiece, your feet, your hands, your love. So, God, thank you for the opportunity once again to give. It is truly a gift. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks, Kim. And thank you guys all for being here this uh, evening, this wonderful day to celebrate our Christ-Risen Lord. Uh, And I'm so excited to be before you. So on behalf our entire Canyon Hills staff, including Pastor Larry, Pastor David, Pastor Matt, who you heard from, our worship director, Kim, and the entire staff. I just want to wish you a wonderful Christmas and a prosperous new year. And we pray that as you walk out of these doors, you would be a different people as a result of having this son, this Christ in your life. So again, thank you guys for being here. For me, Christmas is a special time of year because I love Christmas and I love presents all the time. I, I love receiving them. I love giving them. It's just a wonderful time for us. It's my favorite holiday of the year. So it's exciting to be before you. And because Christmas presents are exciting, aren't they? That's I mean, we get to open a bunch of them tomorrow. I know we get peace and hope, but we also get some tangible things as well. So I wanted to ask you guys this evening what is the greatest gift as a child if you guys some of you if you can remember that far back I'm just totally kidding what is the greatest gift you have ever received as a child can you guys think back and remember what the greatest gift was for me um, I mean I received a lot of gifts but I asked my children that same question And my youngest, her name is Alexis, she's now 19, but when she was a child, she said that her greatest gift was a portable DVD player, and some of you out in this room, I can tell, probably won't even recognize what that is, but they used to play this little disc that goes around and used to play movies, and she loved this gift, she spent a lot of time with it. And I'm going to tell you how much it cost, because back then, I mean, it was a big deal. It was about $250, because sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on on the gifts that we buy, and she loved it. But it wasn't long before this ended up in our garage and this pile that we either was going to sell or give away. My middle son, Ian, who's back there, that's him, he said that the greatest gift he ever received was an iPod. And some of you guys don't even know what that is, right? This is... For I guess at the time it was the greatest thing, he said that it had the two seasons of The Office in it, and he thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I don't even remember that thing, but this thing cost about $300, and I guess it was the greatest thing for him at the time. And I think it lasted well until the new one came out, right? My oldest, my son Carlos, he's 32 now, and he's married, and he has kids of his own. He kind of threw me for a loop because he said his greatest gift was this remote control race car. And last service, it kind of hit me hard because I realized why it was so important to him is because at that time, uh, we didn't have a lot, so this was a big gift for him. We spent 99 and 99 on this thing, and I think this thing broke so many times. It broke more than we could use it. It was all crazy glued together, taped together, and again, we spent more time trying to fix it than we spent playing with it. Ironically. He kept it, and he still has it today. And I think it actually kind of works. But as exciting as those gifts are, what if there was a gift that was far better this Christmas? In fact, so much better that it makes every gift that you're going to get tomorrow and every gift that you've received thus far, it's going to make them look like, well, it's going to make them look like toys. What if this gift was worth so much that no one could buy it for you, neither could you afford it? What if it was something of extreme value, say, life itself? What if this gift was given through the birth of a baby and was given to you and it was paid completely in full? What well, I'd like to suggest to you this evening that the all-time best gift that has ever been given is Jesus Christ. And once you open this gift, you will never want to return it. It's going to be a perfect fit, and you will never, ever be the same. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when gazing at this gift that was given to him, he said this in 2 Corinthians thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was never, ever at a loss for words when pondering the present that he had just received could only fall to his knees, raise up his hands, and thank God for that inexpressible gift that he had just received. Some of you have received this gift, and like Paul, you can't even put into words how much this means to you. Some of you have come close to opening this gift but haven't fully unwrapped it, Maybe you've already accepted them, and maybe you've been trying to hide them somewhere and put them off in a corner where you bring them down from a shelf every time that you need it, or you think about it in times like these around Christmas. But you see, this Christmas, we are reminded that God came near to us in the person of His Son. The baby in Mary's womb that the Bible calls Emmanuel, which means God with us, born to be with us, revealed his plan to Mary. And you know what Mary said? She responded, may it be to me as you have said. Joseph, her husband, on the other hand, struggled to figure out his part in God's drama. But eventually he did what the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, the Bible says. You see, Christmas always comes with a choice. Mary and Joseph, they chose to respond and receive the greatest gift of all time. We spend a lot of energy and a lot of money on gifts for Christmas, but the greatest Christmas gift has already been given. And it was the day that Jesus was born that we get to celebrate. The whole purpose of Christmas is summed up in the most famous verse in the Bible. Perhaps you've heard of it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the first gift. It is the most expensive gift you'll ever get, and it is the greatest gift that you are ever going to receive that the god who formed the heavens and the earth gave us his son that the light of the world came into this earth and came in to this darkness and gave us the gift of light of love and life he became peace on earth god and sinner reconciled he gave us the gift of presence of family relationships, joy, peace, hope. Christmas is all about receiving God's gifts to you and to me. That is the gift that is offered to all. It cost us nothing, but it cost him everything. For unto us a child is born, and he will be called everlasting Father. Let that sink in. He is your Abba Father. He loves you. He wants you to remember Him and to be the first one this Christmas. Where else are you going to get that? That's why it is the greatest gift you will ever receive. And all you have to do is humbly and gratefully accept them. And like Paul, the apostle Paul said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The Bible tells us that it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door is open. So I want to encourage you that this Christmas, before you unwrap all those presents tomorrow, start by accepting and opening the gift of his son. This gift is for you. Will you bow in prayer with me? And I just want to speak to some of you today that are joining us. I just want to thank you for being here and putting God first. That is really important. But you also have to know that before you were ever born, God knew that at this point that you would be hearing this tonight. And he wanted you to hear that you matter to him, that he's come to offer you this gift that God so loved the world that he gave you his son. And in his son, we can find hope and you can find peace and joy and eternity. So with every head bowed and all eyes closed, I'm not going to embarrass you or have you walk up to the front. I just want to encourage you and invite you that if you want to accept this gift, all you have to do is silently in your heart repeat this this prayer after me and just say, dear God, thank you for the greatest gift of Christmas. Thank you that you love me so much that you came to die for me. And I don't understand it today, but I'm saying yes to you. I receive the Christmas gift of Jesus. And I pray this prayer humbly saying, I want to learn to love you and trust you in the days ahead. And now I just want to give you a Christmas blessing, a prayer that I have chosen for you that is over 2,000 years old, and it comes from the book of Ephesians. And it is that I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And I pray that you'll be able to feel and understand how long and how wide and how deep and how high God's love for you really is. And to experience this love for yourself, though it is so great, you'll never be fully able to understand it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Merry Christmas to you.